Welcome to today's episode of Project Redemption, real life stories, redeemed, restored, retold. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and thanks for hanging out with us today. All right. Well, I am here at the National Religious Broadcasters with a very dear friend, Grace Fox, who I'm just so excited to introduce all of you too and we are going out of the box today from our normal programming to do some live here from nrb in orlando florida so grace is a dear friend uh author of how many books now 13 now 13 mm-hmm. books some of my favorites you're gonna hear about one of them a little bit later but um her story has always been such an encouragement to me that I wanted to bring her on, introduce her to those of you who are watching, those who are listening, and uh, just that you might be encouraged. So um, Grace, I know I've heard your story many times and there's so many facets of it, Mm. but I would love for you to share with our listeners just how the redemption process the, the kind of game-changing redemption process worked in your life? The absolute game-changer was when my husband and I worked in Nepal, and um, he was a civil engineer. We lived in a little mud hut, no electricity, no running water. Two, two, our first two of three children were born there. First one was a son, everything was fine. Second one, a little girl came along, but she was born with hydrocephalus with too much water on her brain, and we had to get her back to North America to save her life, basically. But well, Jean was able to get the first flight out, which was three days later, and the airline had said they didn't want a baby under two weeks old on the flight, but we knew that she would probably die unless he got her home. And the airlines also said they didn't want me on the plane because of me being a medical high risk after having had a C-section. And so I had to say goodbye to my baby, not knowing whether I would see her alive again or not. And that was a game changer for me. I was about 25, 26 years old and very, very, what do you call it? Still kind of shell-shocked by culture and that type of thing over there. And then this, and suddenly we were on our way back to North America. Well, yeah. I'll bet that had to be, I mean, obviously to learn to trust God in that scary, frightening situation. Yeah. And tell, tell us yeah. a little more of that story because that, I, I love the story. Well, I remember laying on the bed after Jean left and I I had nursed my baby one more time. Jean walked away with a diaper bag and a bottle of express breast milk and the baby wrapped in a blanket. That was it. And, you know, we prayed together and then he left. And so I was left on my own and with my son, 20 month old son. He was laying on top of me because he'd had a measles vaccination a few days prior. And so he was feverish and a little cranky and didn't want anybody near him. He just wanted mommy. Of course, he didn't understand what was going on and neither did I. But he cried for his daddy and I cried too, to my heavenly father. And I remember just laying there and saying, what do you want me to learn through this? Mm. And into my mind came the lyrics of the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. So I'd grown up with that hymn. And I just remember thinking, he's not promising me that my daughter's going to live. He's not promising me what her quality of life will be if she lives. And she did and she's, she's doing well. She's now 38. But he promised me that he would be with me. Yeah. And so when we go through these hard times, it's not like, you know, we might hope that the outcome is going to 
turn out a certain way, but, but he doesn't promise that. Yeah. But he does promise that he will be with us and be faithful. Yeah. Faithful to us, mm -hmm. we might think is, you know, everything with a little bow on top and it's all happy and no struggles and no mm -hmm. testing of our faith. And um, that isn't always what his faithfulness no. is. No, because even in that situation with our daughter, she had like 12, 12 surgeries in the next couple of years and meningitis at 11 months. She had a major brain surgery right after she recovered from meningitis. And seriously, I, at one point too, when she was only a couple weeks old and still in the NICU ward, uh, a doctor came to us and he said, she has a heart defect too and she'll probably die within a month. And I mean, it was just a road that was up and down, up and down. And wow. um, trying to find daycare for my 20 month old so that I could sit at the hospital was really a stretch because we were new in the neighborhood and we didn't have a family who could watch him right you know, in the immediate vicinity. So it was a stretch. It was a really hard, hard time. Well, and to have that death sentence, so to speak, Mm -hmm. You know, here's another life-threatening issue yeah. to try to take you away from that truth of his faithfulness. Right, but we just had to keep going, just put one step in front of the other at all times and and hang on to those promises because yeah. we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And right. we just had to keep trusting God that he had us in his hands and he had our daughter in his hands and and whatever that would look like down the road. We had no idea, but we just had to trust. And that is, you know, it's not, we can't see. Because right? if we could see all the way to the end, we may or may not go. Yeah, that might the not way. be a good thing. Right, right. But yeah. that's what grows your faith is when you take, okay, you said you'd be faithful. I'm trusting that. I'm going to take this next step in obedience and not be in fear because the fear can be consuming. It can paralyze us. Yeah. Yeah. And so the only way to move beyond that fear is to remember the promises of God. And I, I went through times where I would just write those promises of do not fear. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Those kinds of promises and write them on recipe cards or sticky notes. And I'd have them on the bathroom mirror and on the kitchen cupboards and mm. even on the dashboard of our car. Like, uh, the computer monitor, you know, wherever I spent time, that's where those promises would be so that they were always before me. Yeah. And that's when, when they're always before us, God can bring them to mind much easier yes. than if they're not. Yes. And just in times like that, I know that I'll take scriptures like that and make them first person and say them out loud yeah. because I need to hear myself say what the truth is so that I can be reminded. Yeah, and I think it's in Psalm 119. I think the verse is 29. The version that I read is often the New Living Translation. And it says, keep me from lying to myself. Yes, and yes, that one because yes. When we become aware of things that we're saying to ourselves, like I can't do this anymore. That's I've caught myself saying that. Yep. I lost my mobility several years ago for three months and bumming my way up the stairs backwards to my bedroom, 15 stairs up, right? With one leg in a cast and the other one I had to have knee surgery on. I was a wreck, physical wreck. But um, but catching myself, speaking those words, not just thinking them, but mm. obviously I have thought them because they eventually came out of my mouth. Right. And it was keep me from lying to myself. And what was I saying? I can't do this anymore. Lie. That was a lie. But I talked myself into believing that was a truth. 
Right. And then I started getting disheartened. Right. And so what is the truth, right? And counteract the lies with the truth. I can do this. Jesus said he would never leave me or forsake me. He will give me the strength to go through whatever I need to go through. Exactly. He's mm -hmm. not like sitting up in heaven going, oh, I can't believe she's having to go up the stairs that way on her rear end because she's got, no, yeah. he knew, he's That's sovereign. Right. He saw it yeah. way before it happened. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that is, I love that scripture because I know often I will say, well, I'm not as bad as that. I mean, that person's really behaving badly and I, you know, I'm so much more mature. And it's just like, oh, Lord, help me to stop lying to myself because yes. there's yes. so many ways we can lie to ourselves. Yes. And our lies will influence our beliefs and our beliefs will um, determine our behaviors, behaviors, but those behaviors are gonna ultimately determine our destiny or our outcome. Yeah. So now I would love to hear, cause you know, there's just, especially in the last three or four years of the pandemic and all the things that have changed in our world, um, you're such a hope bringer and definitely the newest uh, book, Fresh Hope for Today, um, Devotions for Joy on the Journey. I wanna just um, ask you to share a struggle that you've found in your life, ministry, whatever, mm -hmm. that's that's been hard, that God's brought good out of, mm -hmm. but that could help someone out there that is struggling. Okay, so it's like everywhere I go, I hear how there's been polarization as a result of the pandemic. And it's, I'm not immune, it's happened in my situation as well. And so um, on, oh, I'll go into that in a moment, but I'll say that 2022 started out with about eight or nine friends uh, passing away within just the first few weeks, right? Mm. And, um, they, some of it was COVID, but it was cancer and heart issues and different things. But all of them were younger than me. And some of them left little kids. Wow. One of our ministry workers was 38 years old, a pastor in Nepal, and he left two little boys behind and a widow. So little kids like six and eight years old that age. Mm. And so uh, I was really trying to work through all of that. And um, he passed away on March the 4th. That happened to be the anniversary of my dad's passing. That was a Friday. And then uh, my, my brother went into the hospital that same day, my only brother, with COVID. And the next day was moved to a larger hospital because he was going downhill so fast. And by Sunday noon, he was on a ventilator. And uh, Wednesday, the following week, the 9th, was his birthday. So he's fighting for his life on a ventilator. And I can't do anything about that. I'm in the next province over and 12 hours away. And no one can even go into his room, of course. Right. So we've got that. And I'm still struggling over the death of our coworker and all this stuff in my head. But that morning, I opened up my email. And here's an email from somebody I, I loved and trusted with a very, oh, it was like um, just a scathing email, a, a criticism against my husband and I and I just thought what is this and where did this come from but but it was so strongly related to the polarization you know tied in with with the pandemic and broke my heart mm. and so that day was the launch of the second of three in the series of these devotions 
and it was that title was uh, Keeping Hope Alive, Devotions for Strength in the Storm. So, you know, you talk about- Oh, uh, timely. Oh, I was in a storm up to my eyeballs and I thought I am so done with the storm already, but it was just another wave that came on me, right? Wow. And, and having to say, God, what do I do with this now? What do I do with this? It's like grief upon grief upon grief and then this, and I don't even know what to do with this anymore because my oh. heart is so heavy. I don't know that I can take one more wave. And then, you know, having to go and think, wait a second, you know, wait, where am I looking at this point? Am I focusing on all this hard stuff? And it was really hard not to because it was so around me, it was everywhere I looked. But I had to intentionally take my focus off. It was like the disciples in the boat, mm -hmm. right? When the waves are just sloshing, they think they're gonna die. And then they remember, oh yeah, Jesus is here, right? And, and, um, and well, and Jesus you had all that boat. underlying grief from the earlier, you know, that were yeah. triggered. Yeah. So you've got all of that, and then to have this oh. on top of it, yeah. had to be devastating. And then to have to launch my book. I did a Facebook Live that afternoon, and it was like getting on there and acting as if nothing's wrong. It's oh. like, hey, folks, welcome. Here's the book. And and inside, I was just dying. And and so to be able to recover from that, I seriously had to put my focus where I knew it needed to be. Because if I put it where I felt like it wanted to be, I would have been duped. Yeah. But I had to say, God, what does your word say? What does your word say? And, and going back, especially into the Psalms, Psalm 23 became my go-to. Mm. Psalm 23. I tell you, I've I have studied into that. I have developed a whole three and four part retreat package out of that, you know, all of that. But that's the good that came out of it. Right. Was going into that passage and, and discovering what it means that the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. And what does it mean that he restores my soul? And what does it mean that he uh, spreads a table before me in the presence of my enemies? What does that mean? Those that are pointing the finger at you and you haven't handled this pandemic thing all the vaccinations and all those things i mean boy so much finger pointing and hating and all of that so wow what a perfect scripture yeah, to perfect be able scripture. to in the face of that hold on it became a lifeline yeah my lifeline and you know what's funny athena you i have we have never talked about this part but the summer I turned 50, I was sitting outside in my little yard, um, not on a boat at that time, but you know, sitting in my townhouse yard. And I had my coffee and my Bible and my journal and my Jesus sitting there and saying, okay, Lord, can you give me a verse that's going to carry me through the next 50 years? Give me a good one. <laughs> and into my head came Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And Athena, I went like this. Mm, I don't think so. That one is just so ordinary. But I'm a so better one, God. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Something a little more extraordinary, please. And the Holy Spirit, bless him, he just kept saying, no, Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And so I said, okay, okay, I'll take it. All right, if you insist. <laughs> so I did, right? And so I've always clung to that. But, but wow, this many years after that 50th birthday and that verse, became my lifeline, my mm. lifeline. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And so if others come against me, 
you know what? He's my defense. I have everything I need. I don't need to fight. I don't need to defend myself. I don't even need to open my mouth on this because Jesus, my shepherd, is my defender. Mm. Um, you know? And when your heart is broken, yeah. beyond broken, he's my healer. He's need. my healer, right? Yeah. And he's my strength for getting out of bed in the morning. And he's my hope that someday this might be mended. And he's my, oh, he's my righteousness. He's my... He's my wisdom because I don't know what to say in this. And, you know, all of that. He is everything I need. So, so many people have had, I mean, I can't count on two eyes, more than two hands. Friends who have um, just been devastated by relationships being broken because of the whole extreme polarization of how we do or do not handle the pandemic or the, you know, whatever the protocols were supposed to be or are or whatever. How do you find hope in the middle of that? I have to remind myself that as yeah, scripture says, there will be hard times. Yep. And I think we have to be cautious as believers to not, to not lie to ourselves and that because I'm a follower of Jesus, my life's going to be easy. That is a lie. That is a lie. He's there to help us through the hard times, but there's nowhere in scripture that it says it's all going to be good. It does say expect suffering. It says in James that when we fall into those hard times, count them as opportunities for joy. Because why? Because they strengthen us and they help us to learn perseverance and they help us in New Living Translation says to be ready for anything. That's so important. It is so important. And so when scripture says suffering will come, don't be surprised by it. Right. But know that those sufferings don't last forever. Eternity's coming and we're going to experience the glory of God. Someday he's going to dry every tear. But in the meantime, he puts those tears in a bottle. So he, he acknowledges that we're in pain. He doesn't just say, oh, toughen up. Pull up your big girl pants and get through this. Right. It's he acknowledges that we're hurting. And he, he welcomes us to cry out to him. And he promises to hear our prayers. And so that's where I find my hope is that, and, and going back to the shepherd in Isaiah, it says he holds the lambs close to his heart. And I can't tell you how many times I have put that visualization into my mind where, where I feel like my heart's broken. But then I remember, okay, he's my shepherd and he's, he's holding me close to his heart. Okay, there's no safer place to be. There's no better place to be. And he's got his arms wrapped around me and he's holding me tight. That's where I go to for hope, right? That's so good. Yeah. And someday those tears are going to dry, someday. But in the meantime, he captures them. He knows. Mm, he does. Amen. Yeah. So the um, information on Fresh Hope for Today is going to be down in the show notes and a link to where you can find it. But just tell us a little bit, because this is the, the, the final yeah. uh, third, the third book in the trilogy, right? Yes. This is it. Right on as that. far as I know. Okay. I'll never say never, but okay. as far as I know. Great, great, great resource. Short devotions that just totally take you to the heart of God. And so you're able to find the hope that you need. But give us just any little tidbit that would encourage someone to grab that and be uh -huh. encouraged by it. Yeah. Like I wrote that book for people whose minds really are on overload. And Does that sound like anyone out yeah. there? <laughs> 
I, yesterday, some lady came to me and she said, overload, that's me, that's absolutely me. And I was able to just pray with her on the spot, you know, because our minds can be on overload for whatever reason. It could be a chronic illness, chronic pain, it could be a sudden diagnosis, it could be a family-related issue, whatever, you know, but the pain is there. So on overload, but the hope can be found in Jesus. So these little short snippets take us back to the promises of God, the promise that his presence is with us, and, mm. and that we don't understand what he's going to accomplish from that pain. But when we give him our deepest pain and let him do with it what he wishes, he will always use it for, for deepening us yeah. and for helping someone else through their pain. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for taking thank time you. out of the busy show floor of National Religious Broadcasters. We are here in Orlando, Florida, and uh, found a little quiet place out here on the patio to connect and come to you. So God bless you all. We will see you next week. Bye for now. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Project Redemption podcast, where we hear real-life stories, redeemed, restored, retold, brought to you by Redemption Press and Romans 828 Books and Gifts. We'd love to have you review and follow this podcast, share it with friends and family, and help us get the word out on your preferred digital platform. So again, thanks for joining me today, and I'll look forward to being with you again next week for another episode of Project Redemption, real life stories, redeemed, restored, retold.